Good morning. If you have a copy of the scriptures, open up to Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6. Um, I brought my orange cone with me this morning. I've got to explain this to you. Um, so we've started Volunteer of the Week, and then we're going to be doing Volunteer of the Month at our church. And so uh, we get all the volunteers together that we can in the morning, pray with them, and then send them to their respective areas. And whoever's our Volunteer of the Week is going to be carrying around this orange cone. And we're doing that on purpose. Number one, because when you see somebody with an orange cone, you're like, why are they doing that? But number two, when you see somebody today after church, whoever it is, walking around with an orange cone, that's your signal to give them a fist bump, a high five, or say thank you. Because without our volunteers, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. And this is just an easy way for us to acknowledge them and tell them thank you for what they do. So this week's Volunteer of the Week was Seth, one of our worship leaders, because he crushed it last week when he preached. And that was awesome. And if you haven't heard that yet, you need to tune in. I texted him this morning because he was on the radio, 93.3 on our radio program. I'm like, dude, you're so famous now. This is unbelievable. So super, super cool stuff. Um, and also, as you're turning to Matthew 6, I'm excited out of my mind for a couple of reasons. First off, uh, we had Finding Hope Center appointments this week. It was just incredible. Uh, let me encourage you with this. We have so much of our church family that has served with Finding Hope Center in some capacity. Um, I encourage you, if you haven't yet, 2022 is your year to do so. All right. I know sometimes it's a little bit nerve-wracking. You're dealing with strangers. We're dealing with folks from maybe different ethnic or religious backgrounds that we're unfamiliar with. Um, engage in that. Some of the stories, we had new volunteers this week that hadn't done Finding Hope Center before, and just awesome, awesome testimonies that came out of that. Second thing I'm stoked about is Scott, uh, FCA, over at Hyatt's Middle School. Second week back from winter break, and they had 20 students this past week, which is one of their highest weeks that they've had so far. Um, we have an open door to a public high school, high school to teach the Bible, which just blows my mind every single time. And then the third thing I'm excited about is I have not preached a, f a full message here at the church since December 19th of last year. It's been almost a month uh, because we had Christmas Eve and Pastor Joe only gave me 10 minutes on Christmas Eve. And then we didn't have service on the 26th because we were heathens that Sunday. Then we had to close church the f January 2nd. And then last week, Seth was preaching, trying to take my job. And so this week, I got to prove my worth again and uh, get back in. So I'm so excited. Um, but I don't know if you're going to be so excited about what we're talking about, but that's all right. So we're going to be finishing next week God Space, our series in Galatians, just so you kind of know where we're going. Um, John Drown is preaching next week, one of our pastoral interns. <laughs> Y'all, we're, we're adding some high caliber preachers to the mix, and so John's going to do a phenomenal job. And then the week after that, the 30th, uh, we're starting a series that we're calling The Genius of Jesus, where we're going to do a verse-by-verse -verse walk through the book of Romans. Um, and so that series, <laughs> this is going to stress you all out, you'll be all right is going to take two and a half years for us to get through the entire book of Romans. But there is not a book of the Bible that sums up the gospel and practical gospel living better than the book of Romans. And so I think it'll be really, really good. All right, stand with me. Honor of reading God's word, Matthew 6. I'm going to read this, and y'all are going to be like, oh, no. <laughs> we'll be okay. Here we go. Matthew 6, starting in verse 19, Jesus says this. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and they steal. Verse 20, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this day. Father, thank you for the gathering of the local church and the privilege we have to be in your house. God, would you 
teach us, mold us, shape us, and form us into the image of Jesus this morning. God, give us those ears we need to hear from you, hands and feet to live out this truth, and receptive hearts to hear from you as well, Lord. We love you so much, and it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray these things. Amen. Years ago, I asked this question. You all may remember this question, but if you walk up to the average person on the street in our Western American culture and you would ask them a, this simple phrase, the church only wants my blank. Nine times out of ten, what you're going to hear in response to that, and I've heard this before when I've talked to people about the local church, they'll say that the church only wants my money. And one of the sad things about that is, is it's sad, first off, that people have been in church cultures and church environments where that has been true, where that seems to be the only topic that that local church talks about. Second to that, and I pray this is true, that that statement is never true about Living Hope Columbus. I pray that we always lead in such a way and we lead out in such a way that it never comes across that we, the answer to the statement about this church would be that the church only wants my money. Yet at the same time, now listen to me, when we talk about the subject of money or generosity or giving in the church, sometimes we bristle up a little bit, we, we put up our, our guard a little bit because this can be an uncomfortable subject. If you're new to Living Hope, this is probably the first time you've ever heard me teach on this. This is only the second time in four years that I've taught on the topic of money. And there's a reason for that, because I don't ever want to come across as that pastor. But at the exact same time, and hear me, hear my heart this morning as we're, we're going to talk about it, and if this offends you, you all know my email, joe at livinghopecolumbus.com, and you can reach out to me. <laughs> Generosity, money, possessions, giving are an integral part of the Christian life. We can't separate our walk with Jesus from the resources that God has blessed us with. And part of the reason, if we're not cautious, that we don't talk about these things is sometimes resources, possessions, treasures, money giving can be a God, little g, in our lives. And if it's not currently, the reality is, is that it can become a God, little g, in our lives. Now do me a favor this morning, please, I'm begging you, don't tune this out, all right? Like, don't just think, well, I'm going to go to the bathroom and then I'm going to sneak out the side door. Joke's on you, we locked the doors, so you're out of luck, okay? I'm just kidding, we didn't really do that. But why do we talk about money in the church? First, we, we have a budget meeting after church today, right? So we, we sent our, our budget out to all covenant members and we're voting on that this afternoon. It's part of church life. That's important. It's part of what we do. Finances are part of church life. But secondly, I think about this this week. If Jesus is Lord of your life, now hear me, that means he's Lord of every aspect of your life. If we're not careful as Christians, sometimes we'll say, Jesus is Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10, he is Lord of my life. And you can, you can talk about that in every aspect of my life, but you better leave my bank account alone, Pastor. You better not talk about my bank account and my savings account and my investments. You can't talk about those things. Jesus is Lord of all of this, but this little section right here, you have to leave that one alone. Now listen, do you know that Jesus talked more about money and possessions than he did heaven and hell combined in the New Testament? That ought to blow our minds. Do you know why he, he did that? Because if there's one thing that is God's greatest rival for my heart and your heart, you know what it is? It's money. 
What, he, Jesus talks about this. We got a verse on the screen. I want to show you a couple of these. It's so important. Luke 16, verse 13. Jesus said, no household slave can be a slave of, of two masters. So see the picture that he's painting. Um, either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one master and you'll despise the other. And then Jesus makes it super practical. He gives the picture of the two slaves, the two servants, try, trying to have multiple masters. And Jesus says, let's make it real practical. You can't be a slave or a servant of God and money. It's one or the other. It's never both. Because if Jesus is Lord of your life, he's Lord over all of your life. Not just the compartments that we're willing to give him. If you don't give Jesus every aspect of your life, then he's not Lord at all of your life. Does that make sense? He's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. Especially in the area of our finances. Solomon wrote it this way. The one who loves money is never satisfied with it. And whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with income. What's the warning that we see in the scriptures over and over? That this desire for this accumulation of wealth is this insatiable desire constantly attacking the human heart. And if we don't choose to control it, it will control us. And so we want to answer this question today. How do I prevent greed from becoming this foothold or stronghold in my life? What does that actually look like? How do I make that happen so that I don't become this greedy person that's not living a life of generosity? Second to that, understand, this is not a backdoor effort to get you all to give more. I hope you understand that. We don't do that here. If we needed something, we would tell you. So this is not a backdoor effort to, to try to get more money. I, I read a study years ago um, on this topic of, of greed, and they interviewed all of these Americans, and they asked them this simple question. You may be, I shared this, I think, three years ago. They asked them this question. They said, what would you be willing to do for $10 million? Can you imagine somebody was willing to give you $10 million? That'd change your life. What would you be willing to do if I were to give you $10 million? Here are the responses to that survey. 25% of the people interviewed said that they would be willing to abandon their entire family for $10 million. 23%, so nearly one in four, said that they would be willing to become a prostitute for one week or more for $10 million. 16%, almost one in five, would leave their spouse for $10 million. 10% said that they would withhold testimony and let a murderer go free if you gave him $10 million. 7% said that they would kill a stranger. And here's the one that, that gets me. 3% of the people interviewed said that if you would give me $10 million, I would give up my children for that amount of money. Y'all, greed is a real thing. It's attacking our hearts. We see it in our culture. Gimme, give gimme, give gimme give more, more, more. And I want us as Christians, the followers of Jesus, that make up this local church to, to make sure that we put the proper protocols in place in our lives to ensure that we don't become those people, but we let Jesus be Lord of every aspect of our lives, our finances included. How do we do that? I want to give you three questions to consider today from Matthew chapter 6. Just self-evaluating questions. I think these are appropriate with, with what we're going to be doing after church today. Number one is this, is how do you view personally you, your possessions? How do you view your possessions? Look at verse 19 again as Jesus is talking. He says, don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust they will destroy and where thieves are going to break in and steal. Now, we read that, and sometimes the illustrations that Jesus uses can be a little bit lost on you and I, because they likely did not have a banking system in the first century similar to what we do. 
So let's clarify what was Jesus talking about here. What was common in this time frame, this century, is people would often take much of their income and they would invest it into things that they believed held significant value. Some of those specifically that we see Jesus referring to here are things like fine clothing, things like food or, or grain or jewels, precious metals, think gold, silver, those kind of things. And Jesus gives this direct command to this audience listening to him. He says, you need to be so careful storing up and consuming yourself with this uh, collecting of treasures where you're taking everything and it's just controlling every aspect of your life where you have to get more and more of these treasures. It's interesting, if, if you have a hard copy of God's Word and a pen, I want you to circle the word collect in verse 19. I want you to circle the word collect, and then I want you to draw an arrow from the word collect over to the word treasure. What's interesting about it is the word collect and treasure in the Greek are essentially the same word. I like translating this verse this way, this way because I think it, it gives a little bit depth of meaning. A literal rendering of this would say this, don't treasure your treasure. You see the difference there? It's not just the collection of these things. Jesus says the caution for you needs to be the treasuring of the treasure. Now understand that the problem here not li doesn't lie in having these things. The problem lies when we are consumed with these things. Do we all understand that, that money and its possessions are a like necessity in our lives? Like if I were to tell you today, all right, you need to, after you leave church, go home, get your bread and your milk for the snowstorm that's coming. Then you need to get on eBay and you need to sell everything that you own. You need to get rid of everything. The reality is, is that you're not going to live very long on like good vibes and positive thoughts. You know, it doesn't work that way. What do we need to live? We, we need this stuff. But Jesus is just reminding us. Let me just say this for us one more time. Don't be consumed by the continual pursuit of the collection of these treasures. You see, this, this idea that I have to get more and then get more and then get more is an insatiable desire that is temporary and fleeting and will never satisfy you. I, I like to think about it this way. I got two girls, you all know this, nine and four. And when we go to the beach or the park or even the front yard, they love to chase birds, all right? Now, you're all, you do it too. Don't even act like you don't. They like to chase birds. Here's what happens when you chase a bird. See this every time with my two girls. Bird will be about 20 feet away. They see said bird. And you ever notice with a child, it's like, bird, have to chase it. <laughs> and that's what they do. And they'll sneak up on it for just a minute. And then what do they do? They take off running as fast as they can. And every time before they get to the bird, where does the bird go? <laughs> Takes off. And where does it go? Over here. And then they turn this way. And they sneak up on it. And then they chase it, and the bird takes off, goes over here. And it's just this constant pursuit of something that they'll never achieve, such as the pursuit of wealth. It's this insatiable desire, more, 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 never having quite enough. I always have to chase a little bit more. You see, the point of this, this verse in verse 19 that Jesus is communicating to this audience and to us too is that clothing that you're going to invest so much of your resources into. Jesus says, you know that a small little moth could come and eat a hole in that. And that could be the most beautiful piece of fabric that you have ever owned. But the moment that one little tiny moth the size of a, a bean comes and eats a hole in it, what happens to the value of that fabric? It's worthless because it's ruined. He goes on to say that grain that you could store up is going to be consumed by rust. That might be lost on us a little bit. That word rust actually means to, to be eaten or devoured. 
The idea is that you have some sort of grain or food in storage and, and varmin have got in and they're, they're eating that food. Uh, anybody had mice in their house? The last house that I lived in, in our basement, we had a mouse problem. And they come in and, and mice eat, they don't just eat food. You notice they eat everything? Um, we learned at our house that mice eat candles because although a Bath and Body Works candle smells like a vanilla cupcake, apparently to a mouse it tastes like one too, we've learned. They consume everything, precious metals, and be stolen in an instant. And you see, whether those things get ruined or taken, at the end of the day, when you and I exit into eternity, no matter how much we've amassed on this earth, it's worth nothing to us anymore. The moment that you exit into eternity, those things don't matter anymore. And greed tells us, all right, you got 75 years on this earth. Consume, invest, hoard, collect, pinch, take more than you give. It's your money. You can't take it with you. What does generosity say? Generosity says Jesus is not just Lord of part of my life. He's Lord of all of my life. Therefore, I will see my income and my resources and my possessions as a tool for the kingdom of God. So how do we first combat greed? Number one is this, how do I view my possessions? Number two, this is my favorite, how do I view heaven? How do I view heaven? Look at what Jesus says in verse 20. But collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. He says, followers of me, my kids, Jesus followers, Christian, make sure that you're making eternal investments, not just temporary investments that will fade and be destroyed. This is such an important principle, and it's so simple. Everything invested into the kingdom of God is unable to be destroyed on the authority of the word of Jesus. Now, there is a necessity for us to be wise with our finances. But again, what's the principle? Don't be consumed with those things. There's security when you're wise with your finances and making eternal investments. Making eternal investments into the kingdom of God. We've heard this statement before. Can't take it with me, so I might as well live it up. Yeah? I'm going to live it up. I'm going to spend my money. I'm going to amass as much as I can. I'm going to do what I want to do and just live it up. Fill up the barns. Let's go crazy. i got to tell this little story. You've heard me tell this before. This is too funny. It's like, the, can I tell a joke? I've been sitting on this all week, and I told my wife, and she didn't laugh, so I have to tell you all. <laughs> this reminds me of the gentleman who he, he tried to amass wealth his entire life as much as he could. He, he loved the Lord, but man, greed was a, a big thing for him. And he amassed so much, and he had written in his will this one thing. He said, when I pass away, he said, I want everything I own liquidated, turned into gold, put into suitcases, and buried with me. He said, I'm going to prove it wrong that you can't take it with you. I'm taking it with me. So he died. They took everything he owned, liquidated it, turned it into gold bars, put it into suitcases, threw it in the ground with him. This gentleman made it up into heaven. He's walking towards the pearly gates. St. Peter meets him there, and here he comes, tugging along his suitcases full of gold. He gets there. St. Peter says, name. This is not theologically accurate, so please don't email me later. St. Peter says, name. He tells him his name. He says, oh, yeah, you're right here into the eternal glory waiting for you. And the guy starts walking in with his suitcases. Peter says, whoa, 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 buddy, you got to stop. You just can't take that with you. And the guy pauses. He says, Peter, you don't understand. He said, this is everything to me. This is, man, I, I spent my whole life just amassing all of this. I, this is everything. I have to take it with me. And they go back and forth for about five minutes about this guy taking these suitcases into heaven. Finally, Peter says, all right, I'll make you a deal. He says, lay the suitcases down, open them up. Let me see what's inside, and then we'll discuss whether or not you can take these in there. 
So the guy says, fine, that's a good deal. And so he opens him up, and Peter looks in, he looks at the suitcase, looks at the guy, looks at the suitcase, looks at the guy, looks at him, he says, pavement? <laughs> Street, streets of gold. <laughs> Second half of the room just got it. Welcome. Glad you could be here. <laughs> What's the point of verse 20? Jesus says, you can't take it with you. But then he flips it on its head. And I love this principle. You can't take it with you, but you can transfer it ahead. You see, friends, you and I, we have to make this understanding as followers of Jesus that we have an opportunity to invest our resources and our possessions into the kingdom of God and make an investment into eternity. Because everything we leave behind here ultimately is worth nothing to us. But if we transfer it ahead into the kingdom of God, it's an eternal investment. Now, the Bible applauds saving. I'm all for that. The Bible applauds taking care of our families. I'm all for that. The Bible actually tells us in the Psalms to enjoy the fruits of our labor. I am all for that. Take the vacation. Buy the nice car. Fix up your house. But if your personal, physical bank account is padded and your spiritual one stinks, you got it all wrong. There's a difference. Jesus says we have an opportunity to transfer it ahead. That's where generosity comes into play. When we invest into the kingdom of God, that man, that's the antidote to greed. We invest in the local church, the antidote to greed. We support missionaries and church planters investing into the kingdom of God. That's the antidote to greed. We're giving God back what's already his. That's why I'm a huge proponent. I don't want to talk about this. Let's just go ahead and talk about it. I'm a huge proponent for tithing, a 10% gift back to God. Here's why. Because God owns all of it. It's the least I can do to give him 10 of it back. There's nothing wrong with that. That's why I'm a proponent for it. I think it's huge and it's important. You say, well, Aaron, it benefits you personally. I have given before I was ever on staff at a church. The day I turned 16 and became a Pizza Hut driver, I started giving 10% to the local church. Why did I do that? Because 100% of it's God. If I can get back 10% of it to him, he promises to bless me. That's a promise from the word of God. Why not? And we think to ourselves, well, uh, I, I can't. Things are too tight. I can't give to the orphan. I can't give to the church. I can't give to the missionary. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I like what Erwin Lutzer said. He said, your money and possessions are not owned. They're loaned. Make sure you give some back. They're not owned. They're loaned. Friends, we're passing through on this earth, 1 Peter 2, verse 11. Let's make sure we're making the most of the time that God has given us. So how do I fight greed? Second answer is how do I view heaven? The very last one, where will I direct my heart? Verse 21, Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. Let me translate that into the Aaron standard version. Where you put your resources is what has your heart. Where you put your resources is what has your heart. Where you and I choose, Jesus says, to invest our material resources proves and shows what has our affections. Let's make it real simple. Man, write this one down in your Bible. Your affections follow your investments. Let's think about this. If you're putting money into the stock market every month, I guarantee if you do that, that you're constantly checking how the stock market's doing. If your child goes to a a private school and you're paying the bill of that private school. You care what happens in that school. Let's just go for it. If you care about the local church and you're investing into it, your heart's affections will be for that church. You want to see it thrive and survive. 
You want to see it be all that God has called it to be. Why? Because your affections follow your investments. Here's another way to think of it. Your investments create interest in your heart. Where you willfully choose to put your financial resources, your heart will naturally follow those things, Jesus tells us in verse 21. I I heard a story a couple years ago. I got a lot of stories today. I apologize. But I think these are just so helpful to, to really drill what can be a difficult subject into our hearts. I think sometimes we don't understand how much a simple investment can pay off in the long run in the kingdom of God. We talked about that January 2nd. When we choose to willfully help people, we might not see the blessings necessarily immediate. That's Western. We're the microwave culture. I want to put something in, and 30 seconds later, you better give me a hot pocket. Jesus says, no, 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 you put it in, and I'm going to crock pot it. It's going to take a little bit. But trust me what I can do with your meager resources for my kingdom. It's like this simple story is this from the Daily Bread. Some of you all use those for your devotions. And it was about this lady that was collecting um, boxes to send to missionaries in India. And she tells this story about this little girl from her church that came to her and gave her one single penny. She says, this is all I have, Miss Ruth, but I'm going to give it to you. And I think God's going to do something with it. Story goes that Miss Ruth took that one single penny and was able to buy this little tiny gospel tract. She put it in one of those boxes into India. This is a true story. That gospel tract ended up making its way to a priest in a place called Burma. You're probably familiar with Burma. God used it to bring that priest to salvation. And then it said, according to this daily bread, that 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 priest became saved. And when you get saved, you want to tell other people about Jesus. So that simple priest went and preached the gospel to his whole village. Over 1,500 people ended up getting saved. And you know where it was all traced back to? A single penny from a little girl in the United States who gave God all that she had. We don't know what God could do with our investments into his kingdom, but we got to stop expecting that they're going to come instantly and wait and understand that our God is a God that surpasses and lives above all time. Trust his timing, not our own. You know, uh, let's go with a simple thought, because again, let me read this verse for us one more time. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. I've heard this more times. I've said this myself. I'll be generous once this happens. Once I make a little bit more, then I'll, I'll choose to be generous. I'll be generous. Once I pay off this, I'll, I'll be generous. Once we, this occurs in our lives, then, then we'll be generous. What did Jesus tell us in verse 21? No, no, that's not the way it works. You tell your heart's affections where to go. You tell your heart what it's going to do. Jeremiah says your heart is deceitful above all things. You have to tell your heart how it's going to believe and think. I love what Pastor Johnny Hunt said, and I'll close with this. Simple thought. He said, you know, you don't have to be rich to be generous. You have to be generous to be generous. Some of the most generous people I've ever met are those who don't have very much, but they see their resources as a tool for the kingdom of God. Close with this. In a culture that tells you and I to live like this, friends, collect, get, store. What's our Jesus say? Live like this. Verse 20 and 21. You live open-handed, He says, it's all mine anyway, so you live open-handed and let let me do with it what I choose to do with it. Let me me take care of it. Trust me for the results. I I just need the obedience on your side. You be obedient and I'll take care of the rest. Did we survive? Our second message on money in four years. We did it. All right. Can I pray for us as the praise team comes? God, thank you so much for your word. God, I pray today 
would be an encouragement for so many in this church. Encouragement for us to continue to be generous with the things that you've given us. And Lord, if there's any way that we need to change how we do that personally, Lord, if we need to change how we're investing into the kingdom of God, would you show us that this morning? God, may we not be a people that are consumed with greed, but a people who are consumed with generosity. God, as we've been lavished with the grace of God, may we lavish that out on other people. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for allowing us to learn this morning. And I pray that this would draw us closer to Jesus as a result. We love you so much, Lord. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.